Hey, thanks for jumping on here to our online location. Listen, I'm pumped about what God's going to do in this year, 2021. And I hope that wherever you are, you're looking with anticipation for a new year with new things that God is going to do in your heart. And maybe you're like me and you're rolling out of 2020 and rolling into 2021 and you feel beat up or worn down, uh, you know, and, and maybe you're feeling like you're not enough. Well, we have a special message from The Vault today. It's a replay of the first message I gave in 2019 because nobody wants to relive the first message of 2020 over again. And, uh, and I'm praying that it's an encouragement to your heart. You know, it's a special talk from a special passage that I read often. And I think it's, a, it's about finding enough even when you're feeling deficient. So if you're feeling worn out, you're feeling like you don't have enough, to accomplish what you want to accomplish in 2021, you're feeling insecure, you're feeling like there's too many deficiencies around you, if you're just feeling like you're not enough or you're not sure if you have enough to get through whatever this next chapter brings to you, this message is for you. Zone in on it, lock it in, dig in. I even took some time to provide you with some questions that you can even look into and study this passage a little bit further they'll be attached to this once it's posted on our website and uh man i'm just really really grateful for you i'm praying for you let's make 2021 the best year yet god's gonna do some amazing things in grace free church and in you let's go god is enough for you and he's given you enough for whatever it is you face and whatever it is you have to walk through in 2019, God's enough. But yet, when we think about our lives, what grabs our attention the most, what grabs our focus the most is our deficiencies. It's our deficit. It's what we're missing. It's what we're lacking that grabs all of our attention. It steals our focus. And honestly, it, it kind of disables and disables and paralyzes us into moving forward. We get so absorbed into what I don't have, what I need to have, what I'm lacking. And not just in the physical realm, the stuff I'm lacking, the money I don't have, the, the, the checking account balance, not just in that stuff, but also internally. That I'm, sometimes I'm not good enough, that I don't have what it takes, that, that I'm not, not only do I not have enough, but that I'm not enough. And the moments where we're forced to face our own deficiencies and our own deficits, there, there are plenty. Uh, the rejection of somebody, they never pick up the phone. They tell you that one date was like one date too many. And all of a sudden we're faced with our deficiencies. Well, what's wrong with me? What am I lacking? I'm not enough for this person. A relationship we have falls apart. It breaks apart at the seams and, and we're left hurt and other people are hurting as we wrestle through what a life looks like now that the, the game has completely changed and I lost this person that meant so much to me at one point in time and we're faced, forced to face our own deficiencies our own deficits. And we say things like, man, I just couldn't, I wasn't good enough for them. I, 
I couldn't do it. I, I, I must, there must be something wrong with me. There must be something I'm missing. Sometimes pressure can make us turn and face our deficiencies, our deficits, and we feel pressure from work, and it seems like we can never measure up, we can never be good enough, and we're staring our deficiencies, our deficits, that I'm not enough, straight in the face. It can be a season that makes us feel like that, our health that makes us feel like that, and it can be a transition that highlights what we don't have enough of what were deficiencies are. It's like New Year's. Like, like this time of year when some of us, we take stock at what happened last year and we start charting a course for what we want to be different this year. And often what we face down is that we're not enough and that we need to be more next year. And so nobody, nobody looks in the mirror and says, man, I look awesome. I'm, my goal for 2019 is just to stay the same. Like I'm great what a year. I'm fabulous. I'm so pleased with myself. Just maintain this, and I'm good from here to eternity. You know, no, we're, we're forced to look at our deficiencies, what we're missing, that we're not enough. That grabs all of our attention. That holds the most power in our lives. And so we look and say, man, who is this old guy, overweight, staring back at me? Can I have Josh back? Please, I don't remember this guy. He doesn't look like what I thought he looked like anymore. He's old and worn out and not nearly as funny as he thinks he is. I want the old Josh back. This year, I'm going to be that old Josh again. I'm going to lose the weight, get in shape, and work on my comedy. <clears throat> this transition, it highlights what we don't have. You know, we look at what we are missing, what wasn't enough in our relationships, what wasn't enough in us, the things we want to change. And this transition, we plot out a new course to be different, to do things differently so that we can be enough and get enough and have a life that's full. You know, it's one of those things that you learn as you go on in life a little bit. It's not just you wrestling with your own deficiencies and your own areas that you'd like to change and fail. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, what your status is, what it is, and what your career path looks like or what it doesn't look like. It doesn't matter who, what, what group of people you're doing life with or if you have no people to do life with. It doesn't really matter. You see, everybody has deficiencies. Everybody lives in deficit far too often. We all have things that we'd like to change, that we feel like are missing, and we all want to go about it by compensating in some way. There's a problem, though. There's no amount of compensating that gets you enough. You always run out at some point. You always realize that the thing you thought was going to do it for you didn't really do it. You get the promotion, and yet something still is missing. It's so annoying. You got that relationship, and you find out that they really don't know how to like brush their teeth and put their toothbrush away the right way, and they, they, there's a deficiency there, there. You find what you think will give you enough, but so often what we realize once we get it is that enough is kind of never enough, and there's just something that's always missing. There's something that we always have that 
that, that steals our focus and says, hey man, you're just not there yet. You just don't have it yet. You're just, you're just not quite enough. But, but God has something different in mind for you. You see, God is enough for you in whatever circumstances you face. And when you take stock of your life, wouldn't it be refreshing, instead of looking in yourself and saying, man, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I didn't do enough, I didn't accomplish enough, I don't know what's going on in my life, what if you could look at your life, no matter what the circumstances are, and say, man, I feel full. <laughs> I feel like I just, I just feasted at the old country buffet. That's really a gross reference. I just feel like I sat at Shady Maple for like three days straight. My heart is so full. You know, I just want to take a little heart coma nap for like three days. What if you, no matter what your circumstances are, you could look at your life and realize that you actually, you actually have enough. And you don't have enough because of what you did. You have enough because of what God is doing in you. You have a full life, an overflowing life. And that's what Jesus said he was going to do for us. That he didn't come just so that you could have life and eat by, so that you, 2019 could look a tad bit better than your 2018. So that you could shave a couple of pounds off and feel a tiny bit better about how you look. He didn't come just so that you could have mediocre relationships, just so that you could get by a little bit and maybe squeeze some joy out of life once in a while. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what abundant life looks like. It doesn't look like a bunch of stuff or a bunch of things or a bunch of gadgets or a bunch of enough stuff. It looks like having enough where it matters most in your heart, and in your soul. Having enough so that no matter what happens, you're full. Because you know a God who is enough for you and in your place. This woman in 2 Kings chapter 4 is an incredible story. It's about pouring oil out into a jar. You're super excited now, aren't you? Like a totally, you just gotcha with that. It's good preaching right there. <laughs> you with me, 11 o'clock? You all clap when Scott plays, you know, like, yay, God, and then you disappear for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm really tired, so this could get interesting. I'm still recovering from Christmas Eve. You all are crazy. You ready? Second Kings chapter 4 says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. 
She left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all of the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one, but he replied, there is not a jar left, then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. It's more than enough. You have this incredible picture of a desperate woman in a crisis who comes to learn that God is enough, that God provides enough, that God will be enough, that God transcends circumstances, and in one way or another will always prove to be enough. She's in this desperate moment where it's time. She's out of time. Everything runs out. Your health will run out. Your money will run out. And someday you will run out of time. I know we don't like to think about it, but while we're grabbing for enough out of everything around us, it's really important to acknowledge that guess what? You can grab it all and someday it all will run out. And this woman, she was out of time. She was out of time and she was out of resource and she thought she had nothing left. And to make matters worse, the two things that meant most in life to her, the two things that she was clinging to as her last good things, her two sons were about to be collected by the one they owed the debt to. That's how it worked back then. You had a debt you couldn't pay. They would come and take whatever it is to pay it in the house. And then if you didn't have anything in the house, they would take the kids and the kids would work as slaves until the debt was paid back or until seven years was up. That was the year of Jubilee. And they wiped the slate clean and start all over. This was a bad, bad moment in time. And it gives you a a snapshot of what it looks like to live in deficit. You know, some of you, you've been there. Maybe not this bad, but you've tasted what it looks like to be, be living in deficit, to be living in deficiency. And you know this because when you look internally in those circumstances, it feels like you're losing everything feels like all of the good stuff is slipping out of your hands and you can't control it. And, and when you're really being honest in those moments about, about you and how you feel about you and where your heart's at, you say, man, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough to have those things, to be that person, to have that relationship. I'm not enough, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not skilled enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm, I'm, look at, look at, I'm not, I try every year, I try so hard, and I, and I don't get there, I, I'm not enough. We're forced in those moments to look at the harsh realities of life. The thing that springs up most is our deficiency and what we lack. But it's the wrong thing to focus on. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, what you've messed up, what your deficiencies are, the deficit you're living in, you need to start focusing on who God is and what he has given you already. And it's easy to miss it in the deficit. This woman, she cries out in desperation. She had gotten to a point where her desperation, her crisis 
caused her to stop negotiating. There was no more negotiating the payment. There was no more avoiding the situation. There was no more dodging the conversation. There was no more trying to get out of it or try to work around it. She came to the last moment. There was nothing left for her to do except surrender. You know, oftentimes we're so afraid of the crisis and we're so afraid of desperation. But if you're desperate right now and if you're going through a crisis, you should know this, that God can use desperation and your crisis as a catalyst to move you to the future that he has for you and it's a full future. And you won't be able to see it in the moment. It'll look dark and messy and it'll hurt. But that crisis and that desperation could be the thing you need most to step into the future God has for you. And for this woman, this crisis was a turning point because she was done negotiating. She was done trying to figure it out for herself. She was done trying to plan and plot and avoid, and she had nothing left to do but to cry out. Say, you know what? I got, I got nothing left. This prophet Elijah, he's your guy, right? Like, this is the guy. This is your prophet sent to us. This is the one who, who you've sent to, be, to point us to you. This is your guy in this place and this time to point kings to you, to point people to you, to point me to you, to call us to remember the truth of who you are and the truth of how we're supposed to live. This is your guy. He's, he's telling, so, so I'm going to cry out. He's here. I'm going to cry out to him. I don't know what else to do. There's something really beautiful about moments in your life when you drop the show, when you stop negotiating, when you are done posturing and pretending to be something you're not, and you're just willing to say, God, I got nothing, and I need your help. I need you to take me where you want me to be, because I can't get there on my own. And maybe this morning, like, that's just where you need to stop. You can put a period in it, close the book. Just realize that now is a good moment for you to say, God, I got nothing left. I, I can't do it this year. I need you to do it for me. If you're truly enough for me, would you prove that in my life? Would you show up in ways I can't expect? I'll be paying attention. I'll be listening. But you need to know I can't do it on my own. I've got nothing left. She cries out in her frustration, in her questions. She had tons of questions, like, why? My, my, my husband was a prophet. Like, he gave his life to you, God. Like, he did tons of good stuff. He cared about people. He served you, and we still ended up here. Why? She had tons of questions and tons of hurt, but she just stepped past it. In desperation, admitted that she was completely dependent on God to show up in her life. Who are you going to depend on this year? Because if you're depending on yourself, I got to tell you, you're going to figure it out. Maybe, it'll, maybe you'll make it eight days instead of seven this year. You know, we're good at running out the, 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 the New Year's resolution, seven days. You will put your head down. You'll buy the gym membership. You'll even buy the leggings to go with the gym membership. 
get the tank tops, buy a visor, get some new earbuds, and you're going to hit the gym hard seven days in a row, and then eight days, somebody's going to like, you're going to wander past a pie shop. You didn't even know there was a pie shop around. Next thing you know, you're carrying six chocolate mousse pies and one peach pie home, and you just ate half of one. You don't know what happened, but I'll tell you what just happened. You realize that your willpower is just not enough to get you there. I hope you make it eight days. <laughs> and if you know of a good pie shop, I'd love to hear that, that address. All of a sudden, I'm really craving pie. I don't... She's desperate, and she cries out, and, and Elisha has this response to her. He says, okay, so how can I help you? And then right away, it's a question followed by a question. I love that because those are like the moments where God just interjects into my life and just kind of says, okay, dude, get out of the way. I got something to do here, and you're messing, you're messing with it up. There's often times, and maybe this has been you, so I apologize, where I'm sitting down from somebody, and they're sharing their life, and they're sharing their heart with me, and they got some heavy stuff they're working through, and I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, I have no idea what to say right now. Like, what could I possibly, I'm not that smart. They clearly haven't figured that out yet because they're sitting here talking to me, but I don't have any idea what to say in this moment. Like, I'm a, I got to come up with something. It's, I'm going to look pretty stupid if I just sit here and go like this for the next half an hour. And then there's that moment where like God just shows up and gives you the words to say and just kind of takes over the conversation. It's a God moment. And it's a God moment because things are too important for us to get in the way. I imagine Elisha, though he was God's prophet in this time, has this moment because it's the only thing I can relate to it. And I'm just guessing this into the passage. Please don't go home and tweet about it. But I'm guessing like there's this moment where he says, what am I supposed to do about that? Man, I should have put the filter on. That's probably not what I should have said right there. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, what do you got out of your house? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got out of your house? It's a weird question. It's like a God question. This woman's crying out. Her children are about to be taken away. He doesn't have any idea how he can help her. And then this question pops up. What do you have at the house? And her response is so powerful. Nothing. Are you kidding me? I don't have anything. Why would I be here if I had something? I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any energy left. I don't have any strength. I don't have any willpower. I have no more tricks up my sleeve. I've exhausted all of the options. I can't do it. I don't have anything. But there's pause written into this. Because it's all of a sudden that's except. Ah, but it doesn't matter. But should I say it? It is, I do, it's something, but it's nothing. It's so insignificant. It's so unimportant. I can't. Ah, there's this one jar. I have a small jar. I have a small jar with a little bit of olive oil in it. So insignificant to her. She had been walking past this jar of olive oil that she thought was meaningless, that she thought was empty, that she thought was nothing, that she thought couldn't do anything for her circumstance or her situation. She'd been walking past this jar of olive oil that she thought would be no help 
to her relationships. She had been walking past this little jar of seemingly nothing for a long time. And Elisha says, well, I don't know what I can do for you, but what do you have in the house? And she says, nothing. But it wasn't nothing. It was something. The things you think in your life that are empty and meaningless and insignificant are the things that God is going to use in your life to prove that he's enough for you and to step you into a full heart, into a full future. You think that relationship, it's got nothing left, but what if that relationship, what if that person is the person God's going to use to prove something to you? You think you don't have any skills or abilities that anybody could ever appreciate. You know, no purpose, no meaning, nothing to offer anybody. But what if you've been walking past the most significant catalyst for change in your life and ignoring it because you think, you think something is nothing? What if God has already given you a gift, and it may be small and seemingly insignificant, but it is a gift he's going to use to change your world and fill your heart? What if you've just been walking past it in your living room, in your kitchen, at work, in the hallway, and you have been so focused on your deficiencies and your deficit? You have been so focused on what you think you don't have that you've been missing this incredible gift that God has placed in your life. And that gift, it can be found anywhere. It can be found in here with a gift you didn't know you had that you just needed to set free a little bit. It can be found in a relationship that you thought was meaningless and empty. It can be found in your workplace and in your homes and in your car. It can be found... She's walking by it the whole time, and she thought, man, I have nothing left. But it wasn't nothing. She had something. Don't miss it. Don't miss the fact that God wants to do something new in your life this year, and that it's not something you have to attain or figure out. It's something that you start to walk into from where you're at with what you have. And you can't say, but I'm in a really bad place, and I don't have anything. Because God has you in a place and he has put something in that place for you that he wants to use to start you marching forward into a future that's different than it seemed like it was turning out to be. You're new, you. Experiencing enough and learning that God is enough for you no matter what, it starts right where you're at with what you have. Not with moving to a greener pasture, not with finding a new place, not with using your ability and skill to get something new to add to your life. It starts with him and with what you carry right now. He says, go do this, do this. Go around and ask, ask your neighbors to borrow some empty jars. <laughs> like, you crazy? What a stupid, crazy request. Like, do you get the, the weight of this? He is telling a woman who is about to lose her sons because they borrowed and couldn't pay back to go borrow some more. That's like being in a torrential downpour in the bottom of a valley, handing someone a shovel and saying, I think you should dig a hole and then go stand in it. 
Like, that's about the logic that's going down in this passage right now. Like, Elisha's command to her would have sounded ridiculous. It would have made no sense. The thing she needed to do next would have been something that would have made her uncomfortable. It would have been something that would have taken great courage and humility. And most of all, it's something that she would have hated. That word borrow. I mean, that's why she's in the place she's in right now. That's what got her in this mess. And now I have to go borrow. But it took courageous obedience and a humble spirit to realize that she wasn't the answer to her life anymore and that God was. And God wants to do some stuff in your life. And some of you, you've been too proud to let him. You think you got to handle it. Got to handle your biz. Got to take care of it. I'm going to make my decisions my way. I'm going to do what I'm comfortable with and not what I'm uncomfortable with. And you've been unwilling to take that step of just following God's direction, even though it sounds ridiculous and it feels uncomfortable. You see, it takes courage. It takes courage to say, you know what? I'm going to have the conversation I've been avoiding for six years. It takes courage to say, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you out of my comfort zone. I'm going to, I'm going to go to church and actually sing the songs, you know, like, and hope nobody listens. Uh, it takes courage to take a step and say, I'm going to serve, even though I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I'm just going to find a place to get plugged in and to help other people. I don't think I'm good enough to help other people, but I'm going to take a step and get out of my comfort zone. It, it takes courage it takes courage and obedience, but God will never ask you to do something that, that he won't provide for you through. To courage and a humility for her to say, I got nothing left and I'm not. I have this jar and I'm going to follow. Whatever it looks like this year, 2019, I'm just going to follow. I'm going to meet some uncomfortable moments, but I'm going to trust Jesus and not myself, and I'm going to follow. I'm going to have to do some uncomfortable things, but I'm just going to follow. I want to be obedient to the small things God's directing me to do right now instead of trying to grab the stuff I don't have and add it to my life because I know that God's path for me leads to a full life, and I'm going to trust him. He's enough. He's enough. And then the request gets even more ridiculous. Take the last little bit of stuff you have. Don't get a few jars. Like, get a lot. Like, clean out the town on empty jars. Like, go knock, knock the shelves down at Wally World and get all the empty jars. You cannot get enough empty jars. Like, there's no limit to it. The, the only limit is don't stop until you got all that you think you can get. Don't get a few. We're not talking like three or four. Like load up on empty jars. They get all the empty jars. They take them in. They close the door because, man, it's incredible what God will do in the privacy of your heart and life if you don't care what other people think about you. If you're not concerned about how it'll look to other people, it's so amazing what he will do. And there she stood with that jar. That was Elisha, right? Like that was, Is that what he looked like? I thought he was taller. Are we sure we got the right guy? What if it's that, that was a crazy guy we were just talking to that everybody's been talking about? We have the right guy here? Like, can I trust? This is all I got. This is like, this is it. Can I, should I pour it? Come on, mom. Like he said, pour it in the jar. Just don't miss, all right? Like, just don't miss. 
all right, I'm just going to, how difficult it would have been, how stupid it would have felt, how awkward that moment, that tension right in between there when she decided to take what little she had, what she thought was insignificant in her life, and pour it out. Scary and crazy as she realized that as long as the jars were empty, as long as the vessel was empty, there was no end to the oil being poured out for her. Fill up the jar, set it aside. Fill up the jar, set it aside. Fill up the jar. Not only do you have enough to pay off your debt and get you out of deficit, not only do you have more than you ever thought possible because God is enough for you whatever you face, but you have enough to live on for the rest of your life. You just got full. You see, God wants to pour into you, and he's asking you to take whatever little bit you have this year. Maybe you think you're insignificant or what you have is insignificant. It's not. Pour it out into somebody. Pour it out into something. You got a little bit to offer? Offer a little bit to somebody in need. You got an encouraging word, but only one? Well, just wordsmith that one word up and offer it and pour it out to somebody else. You got something to offer somebody. You got a skill, a trade, a craft, anything at all. You may think it's insignificant. Pour it out and watch God multiply what you pour out and fill up a bunch of stuff. You have a relationship that you think is just hanging by a thread? Well, pour it out and invest in that relationship and watch what God does through you and in you. He's in the business of being enough for his children. And all you have to show up to the table with is an empty vessel. We have these treasures, 2 Corinthians. We have these treasures in jars of clay to display God's glory. You are the vessel. Just show up empty to the party. Be willing to have the courage and the bravery to follow God this year in small ways of obedience. Set your pride aside and be humble and admit that you're dependent on him to show up and do something new in your life and start to pour out what you have even though you think it's insignificant and God will be your supply. You will have enough in him and that oil will spill all over the place, filling your life and your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are enough. Doesn't always feel like it. And too often we're focused on what we're missing, what we're lacking, our own deficiencies, our own deficit. To realize that all along you have been providing for us exactly what we need. I pray that it wouldn't take a crisis for us to admit our dependence on you that it wouldn't take desperation for us to be desperate for you, but that we would be a people who are constantly willing to admit our own deficiency and our own need for you to be enough for us. Maybe we don't think what we have is a lot, but you want to do a whole lot with a whole little, and it's not nothing. Would you help us to have the courage and obedience to follow you pour out what we do have into the lives of others? Would you 
Help us to be an empty vessel willing to be filled by you. In Jesus' name, amen.